A big one for me was God life. Um, you know, we, have, we as people of God, we have to live God life. And then this here just ties into the confidence. I got to have that confidence. Um, and there's three sections I want to hit today. It's funny because none of us really studied together, but it's all kind of almost the same. Um, but it's different points, and it's different personalities and different points of view, but it's the same word. And uh, it's like a spider monkey. Um, it's just really cool. One of the things that Tom said last week that I really liked was that I do everything better with confidence. I mean, you do everything better with confidence. If the Seattle Seahawks would have hit the field with no confidence, they'd have ended up looking like the Denver Broncos. Um, and that is, hey man, you can give them a hand. That's all right. The Selmans aren't here. Dang it. Uh, but you walk better. When you have confidence, you walk better. You kind of pull your shoulders back. You kind of put your chin up a little bit because you walk with confidence. Where you're headed, you know the direction that you're headed in. I had a guy tell me one time, he goes, the way you walk, he goes, I don't know where you're going, but you actually look like you're walking with a purpose. That's the way we should walk in life. We should walk with a purpose, with a divine appointment where we're going. We move with confidence better. When you get up, you move better. You work with confidence better. With confidence, you work better. Life is better with confidence. Amen? Amen. Marriage is better with confidence. If you, if you know your role, if you know what you're supposed to do, I'm not getting into my wife stuff. You don't see me in the kitchen. I'm not doing the dishes. But no. <laughs> I, I, I will be today, I bet. I, I'll probably be in the kitchen today. <laughs> know your role. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Amen? Love her. Lay your life down. Respect your wife. Love your wife. Not the stuff that's going on, but love your wife. You parent better when you have confidence. And I like this one. You lead better with confidence. You're not going to get me. If you're not Pastor Tom, what a strong leader. If he wasn't confident, I wouldn't be following him. I mean... And then we were, I was talking with some guy one day, or it's been a couple weeks ago. You got different pastors in different situations leading different congregations, and there's 12 tribes of Benjamin, spider monkey, I'm all over the place. <laughs> but to get strong men, you have to be a strong leader. Um, and you get some guys, you ain't telling me what to do, but you get that strong leader and you stick that ring in that guy's nose like a bull. A bull, you cannot make a bull do anything. But you stick that ring in that bull's, in the bull's nose and you grab him and he's all tough. You grab that ring and he's like, and he'll follow. Because it's that, you know, Tom has that. You got to submit to it. We're strong men in this church. But you know what? We know who we are. And we've got a strong leader and we follow him. We submit to him. Amen. One page down. There's three points I want to hit on today. One of them is where my source does not lie, where my confidence does not lie. My second point is um, where the source of my confidence is. And my third point is what my confidence means to those around me. I think that's really important. So I'm going to come at you really weird today. I'm going to start in Psalms 118.8. I'm going to just get it off the screen. We'll see how we do. 
It's better to take refuge in the Lord. It's better to take trust, put your trust in the Lord or take refuge in the Lord than to put your trust in man. It's better to take your refuge in the Lord than to put your trust in princes. Amen. It's better to put my confidence, my trust, my life in the Lord's hands than to put it in, than to put it in the man's hands. Leviticus, actually, those who trust in the government, you're going to be disappointed. Those who trust in finances, other people, themselves, will also be disappointed in the end. And I like this because I'm not in Leviticus yet. I'm going to be like Todd and stumble a little bit. Um, Stutter over my words. My tongue's kind of fat. But it's uh, those who trust in the government. You know, the guy I voted for didn't make it in. So I'm angry. The, the bill I voted for didn't pass. You know, those who put your trust in the government, you're going to be disappointed. Those who put your trust in finances, how many of you know it's here today, gone tomorrow? I mean, it's the truth. Uh, the next one, who puts your trust in other people? The same people who build you up. So, man, you know what, Ron? You're the greatest guy since sliced pie. You know, I've never seen anyone cut hair like you. The way you dress, look at the way you stand up, Ron. Look at the way this guy dresses. Good-looking guy. Um, his wife, so lucky, so blessed to have a man like this. But the next day, man, have you seen Ron? What a real piece of work. The same guys who build Ron up one day can tear him down the next day. Don't put your trust in people. Amen? Don't put your trust in yourself. Amen. Don't. Put your trust in yourself. That's false uh, confidence. You're going to be disappointed in the end. Leviticus 26, 19 and 20. I was reading this and it's really good. I will break down the stubborn pride and make the sky above like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. Your strength will be spent in vain because your soil will not yield its crops nor the trees of the land yield its fruit. This is how we choose to live our life. If I choose to live my life my way, this is my result. If I choose to take my steps in life, my, my life is going to be with my stubborn pride. The skies are going to be like iron. I'm not going to get any rain. I'm not going to get any blessing from my father because it's my stubborn pride because I'm taking my steps. I'm walking in my direction. I'm looking at my own confidence to lead me in the direction I should go. And this will be my outcome. The skies will be like iron. The ground will be like bronze. Your strength will be spent in vain. I remember when I was 31. And probably, you guys probably think I'm like 33 now. But when I was like 31, you know, 26, did I do something five or six times? And I was okay with that. Now that I'm 43, it's like, you know what? I don't want to do it twice. I sure as heck ain't doing it three times. Because how many of you know when, we, when, when God gives us a challenge, we'll continue to go around that mountain over, just like the Israelites, 11-day journey, 40 years. So I can go around this mountain once, or I can go around it twice, or I can go around it 15 times, or I can go around it 1,000 times. This boy here, I'm going to take it my best shot to go around it once. I might make it around twice because I'm a little stubborn, but wisdom in my life has shown me it's not worth Spending my strength in vain. 
Because you're going to toil and you're going to toil and you're going to work and it's going to be a pain in the rear and you're going to sewer those around you because you're not getting what you want because you're doing it your way. Your soil will not yield crops and your trees will not yield its fruit. That is what I get if I put my confidence in myself. The, to me, this is, I like to lift weights, don't like to go to the gym, I like the results. Um, and to me, this is a little bit heavy today because I really want us to get some, some bodybuilding, some strength, some soul building today. So let's not get our confidence from ourselves, but let's put it in our Father. Romans uh, 10, 11 in the Amplified it says, the scriptures say, no man who believes in him, who adheres to, relies on, and trusts in him will ever be put to shame or disappointed. I think that's the only one I gave you. I love this. No man. He's not a respecter of people. We're all the same. Created in his image. Walking in his light. No man who believes in him adheres to. I'm letting that word graft into my heart. Letting it become one with me. Who relies on? How many of you rely, 100% rely on the word? You have to. Who relies on, who trusts in him, capital H, because it's not him, it's him. Amen. Who ever, uh, who trusts in him will ever be put to shame or disappointed. Amen. This is where our confidence comes from. It comes knowing that, you know, Father, I don't care what gets thrown my way. I don't care... If I'm in the boat and the storm comes up, I don't care what the sideshow distraction is. I don't care what's going on in my life. I don't care what's going on in my health. I don't care what's going on at work. Because, Father, I'm putting my trust in you. My life, my word, my soul, my heart adheres to your word. I've got to be one with the word. Kind of like, uh, you know, Splinter, the sensei. Um, he was a rat with the Ninja Turtles. You got to be one, amen, with God. Spider monkey. Our confidence comes from our relationship with Christ. He is our high priest. How do I get this confidence? How do I get built up? Todd made a great point last service. You know, he said he had a Bible way back in 1988. His mom gave him a Bible. And today it's, it's kind of shredded up. And, you know, I, I think it's just like if you're doing martial arts or you're doing weight training or you're doing anything because you spend the first several years learning your art, perfecting your art. And then, and then as time goes, you don't even think about it anymore it, because it's part of you. And in this, it's that word that you, his, his Bible's all tore up. He said it's like an ancient, ancient, what do you, what'd you call it? Just an old word, old Bible. But he carries his new you know, tech stuff and high-tech crazy stuff around. But during that time, that word adheres to your body. It becomes one with your soul. So how do I get that? Spending time in the word. How do I get that confidence? I spend time in the word daily. Knowing who I am, even if it's one scripture. I spend time in the word daily. Amen. That builds my confidence. That knows who I am, how he's created me to be in his image. Number two, I worship. I worship my father. I worship more than I'm in the word. Um, 
back in the day, uh, David didn't have an a, a iPhone that he could stick in his pocket and pull it up and, and read the scripture. But I guarantee you, he was out there praying to the Father. He's out there praying to God. He was out there knowing who he was. He was worshiping, you know, worshiping God. I love to worship. Todd has a beautiful voice. I don't. But you know what? I bet, I bet my voice is beautiful to my father. You know, so don't ever say, well, you know, I'm not a good singer. Because I don't care who you are. When your mouth opens up and your tongue begins to sing and your vocal cords begin to, to move, that is war in the spirit realm. That's where we become men. That's where we become women of God. Uh, prayer is how I become confident in who I am in God. Because what I make happen for others, and I'm not praying for myself. I'm praying for Todd. I'm praying for Stephen. I'm praying for Ron. I'm praying for Big John. I'm praying for the people that are in my life. Because what I make happen for others, God makes happen for me. I'm not praying, oh, Father, I'm almost out of gas, and it's went up 20, 20 cents a gallon. Help me sell one more car. I, I don't care. That, that, that stuff doesn't matter. It's my father. Give Todd confidence. Let his business prosper like never before. Father, the direction that Stephen's going in his life, Father, show him. Let him walk in your direction. Let him walk in your path. Let his eyes be open to the things that you have for him. That's what we should be praying for the people around us. That builds confidence. And the last one in here is our brotherhood and our sisterhood. It's building. How do I build my confidence? I build it with my brothers. You know, we have grow groups, and we meet at 545 at Gold's, and there's a lot of other stuff going on with different grow groups. But I build my confidence with the men around me. You know, I have confidence that if I call Sandy, he's praying for me. I know that. I have other men in here that I know if I call them up, dude, they will stop and they will actually take my call. They won't go, oh, it's Keith. There's a lot of people that do that. Um, and that's all right. That's all right. But these people also have the ability to speak into my life. I have the ability to speak in their life, and they have the ability to speak in my life. You know, and it says a wise man takes correction, but an idiot, whatever that part is, he, he, he doesn't like correction. The fool doesn't like correction. You know, but when, when Ron comes up to me and he says, hey, Keith, maybe, you're coming, maybe you should come at this a different angle. Or, you know, Todd corrects me or Tom, pastor. You know, you got to take that. Iron sharpeneth iron. And when you've got a brother and you've got a sister that you've spent time with, take that. Don't get all mad. You know, you, you actually, there's many times that pastor, I'd actually go to Pastor Tom and I would ask him for advice and he would give me the word and I'd be mad and I'd leave. I'm just going to be 100% honest. Um, and then I'd go home. I'd be mad for probably, I don't know, who knows. It's not as much as it used to be anymore. But, you know, I'd probably be upset for three or four hours. And then I'd start praying. Because for, for, first it was about me, so I was upset. And then I'd begin to pray, and God would say, you know what, he's right. I'm like, oh. And then I'd start to seek his answer. I'd actually dig into what pastor gave me. It doesn't always feel good. When you go to the gym... It doesn't always feel good to put that extra plate on the bar. It doesn't always feel good to do that extra rep. It doesn't always feel good to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to make your physical body better. It doesn't always feel good when somebody speaks correction into your life and you know it's right. The question is, are you going to do it or not? 
Are you going to adhere to the word? Or are you going to push it away and still do what you want to do? When you choose to do the right thing, that builds confidence. When you choose to, and just, just in the natural, when you choose to get up in the morning or go in the evening and get on the, I'm not going to say cardio, and put the weight on the bench and actually do the reps and do the form properly and do the weight that you're supposed to do correctly, it builds confidence because the next time you go in, I can't wait to tackle it this time because you made the right choice. So in our life, in the, in the, in the spiritual, do what you know you're supposed to do in the word. Let that word adhere to you. Be one with the Father. Amen. Amen. This was a little bit, I just wanted to say this. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We've all heard that. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And I think some people get this mixed up. Like, am I actually supposed to fear God? Why would God have me fear him? And that word fear isn't a, you know, he's going to strike me down with a bolt of lightning. But it's a fear of reverence. It's, it's, a, it's a healthy respect. Um, it's kind of like my dad, whenever he would leave town, and I was 15, and I was by myself, he would say, you can have one friend over, who's it going to be? If you have anybody else over, I will know, and there's gonna, you're going to basically pay a price. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap, okay. So it would just be me and my friend. Did I ever do what my dad told me not to? No. I didn't. I'm, <laughs> he said, I'll tell you, because I had an older brother that actually did things that my dad told him not to, and the beatings, and the, uh, the groundings, and all the consequences. I actually sat back, I was five years younger, and I learned. And I would actually ask my dad, like, I'd ask my dad questions like, hey, dad, so, like, when you whip me, if, if I called um, CPS, what would you do? He goes, well, this is what I'd do, is I'd tell you to pack your bags, because they're going to take you, and you're not coming back. And I'd go, oh, crap. So that's not going to work. And then there was one time I asked him, I was pretty smart, I tried to feel these things out, because I knew there was going to be a consequence. And I asked my dad once, I said, hey dad, like you know when you're going to whip me because I did something wrong? And he goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, what would you do if I like took off running? My dad <laughs> never even hesitated. Nothing. What do, you, what do you mean nothing? He goes, well you got to come back, and it's going to be three times harder. Oh. So... I always knew, I, me and my dad were best friends. I mean, we really were. Um, my last whipping I got was when I was 18 years old. When he told me to bend over and grab my ankles, I did exactly what he told me to do. Because it's that healthy respect. Did my dad enjoy disciplining me? No. He, I, don't, I don't think he did. I don't think he liked it. But you know what? It helped me make right decisions in life. And this is the same thing with my father. It says the beginning of fear, or the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's that healthy respect. You know, I, don't want to, I didn't want to disappoint my dad. That's why I didn't have parties at my house when they were gone. I didn't want to, the ultimate, the cho ultimate choice was I didn't want to disappoint him. And the same thing with my father. I don't want to disappoint my father because he's done so much in my life. I mean, I've got an incredible wife. I've been married 22 years. I have a great job. I, all these things that God has done for me. I've got great friends in my life. I've got great leadership in my life. I've got people that I actually, uh, people that follow me 
in my life, and that means something. And I don't want to let my father down. So I do what the word says. And the word fear, I wanted to cover that, but in Hebrews 4.16 in the Amplified, it says, let us fearlessly, fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne room or the throne of grace. He not only wants you to fear him, but he wants you to know that you can fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. And this word grace is the throne of God's unmerited favor for us sinners. Unmerited favor. I mean, anything and everything is available to us. Amen? I can fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, God's unmerited favor, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when I need it. It's not in my timing. It's in His timing. I think we as people, sometimes we need to stop and relax. Because I want it right now. I want Rocky Road right now. But you know what? I don't get it right now. I don't get what I want right now. Things, things happen in life in stages for a reason. It builds my confidence in my Father. It builds my trust in Him. He opened this door to me. It might be a small door like, remember the Oompa Loompas when you go through the small door? It might be a small door today. But then it gets to be a bigger door, and then a bigger door, and then your double doors, and pretty soon it's a gate. But you have, before you can run, you've got to crawl. It's me knowing who I am in Christ. But I love this. Let us fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. Our unmerited favor, God's unmerited favor for all of us. How many of you are sinners? We're all sinners. So his unmerited favor for us. We all have to go through stuff. We all have to go through seasons of turmoil. That builds us. That makes us strong. You know, when I'm doing legs and they ache because of uh, lactic acid, because of the candy I ate, I know every one of you in here probably think I'm a healthy eater. Um, I am, honey, but... Uh, you know, candy bars, ice cream, soda, if I can get it in me, it's in me. But you also pay a price for that. We all have to go through situations in life. Uh, that's what makes us stronger. In the NIV, in James 1, 2, two through 4, I really li- I like the stuff that makes me grow. I, like, I kind of like pain in my life, a little bit of pain. And I love this. Consider it pure joy, my brother, whenever you face trials of many kind. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I love it. Don't you like trials? Don't you love it when you're going through stuff and it just sucks? (laughs) Consider it pure joy. Back to two. Consider it pure joy, my brother, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Stop and think about that for a minute. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. I'm being tested. It's building perseverance. The word perseverance also means endurance. So the more stuff I go through, the stronger I get, the more endurance I get. The more endurance I get, the better I can lead people because I'm confident. I lead better with confidence. The more stuff I go through, the more more stuff I can help lead people through. I'm building my faith, not because of me, but because of those around me. 
Because if I can confidently walk through the fire, then the people with me can confidently walk with me. Amen? Three, uh, number four, the perseverance must finish its work. I can't quit in the middle. I cannot quit in the middle. How many of you have quit in you? My, I used to tell my dad when I was little, Dad, I can't. And my dad says, can't means you don't want to. Can't was never a word in my house. And if I... Okay, so can't, can't was not a word that could be used in my house growing up. I'd say, Dad, I can't do it. My dad would say, can't means you don't want to. And I probably heard that about 20 times, and then I figured out, Dad, I'm unable to do this. <laughs> yes, you can. I mean, I, I remember one time, we, I'd, be, I'd be, you know, baseball was my sport, and he would actually get a two-by-four with these long nails because he worked at a plywood mill, and he would nail it down so I wouldn't move my back foot because I'd move my back foot and swing the bat. Well, you know, that's an improper move. My dad said, stop moving your foot. I can't. So he nailed a piece of wood down so I could not move my foot, and then I would take my swings. There's always a way. If there's a will, if you've got the will in you, there's a way to overcome the situation in your life. You can't say, I can't get this healing. I can't have this. I can't ever be prosperous. The word says different. Never say, I can't. If you're an I can't person, lose it. Lose the I can't because you can. Amen. We serve the way maker. Where there doesn't seem to be a way, he makes a way. Perseverance must finish its work. So that means a little more testing, amen, a little more pain, a little more stretching, that I may become mature. Last thing we want is a bunch of immature adults putting the bottle in your mouth and splitting the whiskers, as Pastor Tom would say, or his dad, Clayton. I mean, it would be weird if we were all had baby bottles in here, right? We got to become mature. Becoming mature, complete, lacking nothing. We want to be the people that lack nothing. Amen. I don't lack any confidence because he is my source. He is my confidence. You know, when we go through the fire, if you will, and I love the thing that uh, Todd brought, up, brought to pastor's attention, was that when the guards that took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, they died. They had to walk themselves into the fire. Those guys had to walk themselves into the fire. We have to walk ourselves into the fire. There's going to be hard times. We know it's not going to be fun. I know that no matter what, let's, say, let's just say finances real quick. Father, it's been a bad month. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can write this tie check. Walk yourself into the fire. I'm just being straight up. Walk yourself into the fire. Father, my, I just got diagnosed with cancer. Big deal. I've had cancer. I've had my right lung taken out. When 1997, I don't believe that I had cancer. I don't even, that's what they told me. But that's not a staple in my life. I'm not a cancer survivor. I'm a God survivor. I don't hang my hat on cancer. I hang my hat on the Father. He's my source of strength. He's my source of who I am. 
But we've got to walk through the fire. We have to know who we are. And sometimes you've got to walk yourself into it. And I look at the story, Abraham and Isaac. Uh, Todd spoke on impotence. I'm going to speak on something else with Abraham. <laughs> I don't know why that came up, but I, I completely understand. You know, when life throws you a curveball, I'm at the age where I know how to handle it. You guys seen those commercials? And so what I do is I go buy a muscle car and everything's okay. So if any of you guys are having issues, just come see me. Um, Abraham and Isaac. So Abraham, Abraham is called to sacrifice his son. He's supposed to be the father of many nations. He's supposed to be the father of many nations. And God says, I want you to take Isaac up to the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him. And so there were some other guys with him. And the guys go, hey, do you want us to help carry up some wood and stuff? And, and Abraham said, no, you know what? Isaac and I, Isaac and I are going to go up and worship. You know what we call sacrifice? What we call sacrifice, Abraham called worship. And he took, he walked himself through the fire. And he went up to the mountain. He built the altar. I'm pretty sure him and Isaac both built the altar together. Isaac probably didn't know what the heck was going on. He's like, all right, I don't know what's going on. But dad said to do it, so we're doing it. He gets Isaac on the altar, he ties him down, pulls out the knife, and he's going to sacrifice him to God. And all of a sudden, an angel appears and said, stop, there's a ram in the thicket. God who provides. Why did Abraham have to go through that? Did, did, did Abraham go through that because God needed to know what kind of, what kind of stuff Abraham was made of? Did, did Abraham, Abraham have to go through that because... Because God wanted to test him and see? I believe that Abraham went through that because Abraham had to know who he was and how far he would go. And I believe that's why we go through the fire. That's why we have to build our courage because we will never know what kind of courage we have until the crap hits the fan. You will never know who you are in Christ until you have to step up and walk yourself through the fire. You'll never know it. So embrace, embrace it. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. That builds your confidence. And if I've never been, to it, been through it, how can, I talk to my, how can I talk to my brothers? How can I talk to my friends? How can I lead people around me? So you've never been through that. You've never had a tough month. You've never been through this. You've never done that. You know, I, I probably never have been through the exact same thing. But let's walk through this together. Let's walk through it together. I won't carry you, but I'll walk with you. Amen? And the last one I want to speak on. So that's our confidence. Our confidence comes from our worship, our time in the Word, our prayer, our brothers and sisterhood, spending time with each other, spending time in the Word, going through the fire, knowing who we are, all the fun stuff in life, right? That's where our confidence comes from. Amen? And number three, what does my confidence mean to others? And I want to talk about Daniel for a minute. I don't want to read all the scripture because there's a, there's a lot of like 52 verses and we'll be here for a long time. See that clock? Um, so I'm going to give it, I'm not going to give you the, K, the uh, King James version or the NIV or the new King James. I'm going to actually give you the KWC version on part of this. So David, strapping young man, single. Stephen, stand up for a minute. Turn around. So a strapping young man, 
keep, keep standing. David was single. Um, Stephen's single. Um, he likes long walks on the beach, likes mochas. Um, <laughs> ladies, okay. Um, strapping young man, and he's out in the field doing what God's called him to do. He's serving his father, Jesse. So he's just being a shepherd boy, doing his thing, and all of a sudden there's a fight going on over here with the Philistines. So you got the Israelites and the Philistines doing their thing on the mountain over here. And there's a valley between them. And Jesse calls David, hey, David, why don't you come on over here? So Jesse or David comes and says, hey, what's up, pops? And he goes, hey, you know what? There's a fight going on. I want you to go see what's going on. But I want you to encourage the guy. So what I want you to do is I want you to take about 40 dozen Krispy Kremes and take it over like a fundraiser because we got some mission trips coming up pretty soon. So just take those Krispy Kremes over to the battle, give them to the guys because they're going to need the sugar, they're going to need the carbs, because there's going to be a great fight. So go on over there. So David shows up, and he sees what's going on, and he sees the Philistines and the Israelites, and he sees this big old dude about nine feet, nine inches tall. I guess his gear weighed about 125 pounds, his helmet. That's probably how much David weighed. So he's got a helmet and his chest plate and all the other armors. It equals a weight of about 125 pounds. His uh, spear was 25 pounds. Can you imagine having a 25-pound javelin? I can't even curl that. <laughs> Crazy. So this guy's, David shows up, and he's like, what the heck is going on? Why is this guy running his neck? I don't get it. But I want to read verse 10 and 11, and then I'm going to give you some more KWC version. The Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us wrestle. I guess it's fight. Um, hearing, the hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. This is the king of Israel. And leave that up for a minute. This, is the, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't care if the guy's 10 foot 2. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all of the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You've got the king of Israel, the guy that's supposed to be the closest guy to God almost, the king appointed by God, terrified and dismayed. You've got all the Israel army terrified and scared. They all got their gear on. They're trained to fight, and they're scared. Can you guys say scared? They're scared. And I, 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 don't, I don't get that. How do you get that way? How do you get scared in a sideshow distraction? I believe they got that way because they didn't know who they were in Christ. They didn't know who they were. I think they stopped worshiping God. They stopped knowing who God was. And so when the sideshow distraction showed up that was nine feet, uh, the big show, when the big show showed up, they got scared. They had no confidence. They were afraid. And it's cool because David shows up. He's like 125 pounds. He's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine running his neck? Who is this guy? Let's go to 32. Let's see if that's where I want to be. David said to Saul, David said to Saul, no, I don't want to be there yet. This is a great story. I'm just butchering it. <laughs> well, in that process... David starts walking around the camp, and he's like, why, why is this guy running his mouth? Why isn't anyone doing anything about it? And you guys are like trained warriors. I mean, what's going on? What, what does the guy get? Who kills this thing? 
out here, the big show. And some of the warriors, his brother actually overheard him and said, David, you're arrogant. You just come here to watch a fight. Get out of here. And I think it's funny because when you get scared, you become defensive. When you get scared about what's going on and you got a battle brother coming up and wants to sharpen your sword a little bit, so you know, hey, hey, that's my pain now. I'll talk about yours, but let's not talk about my pain. And all David is, he's just inquiring, well, what's going on? Why isn't, you know, what can I do? Well, what can a person do? What does he get? And they said, well, man, he gets to marry the king's daughter. And he's like, I'm single. <laughs> um, he gets riches. He doesn't have to pay taxes anymore. Can I get a woo-woo on that? No more taxes. You know, this is what he gets. And David's like, man, I can do that. So 32, let's see if that's where I need to be at. David said this all, uh, let no one lose heart on this account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Let no one lose heart. And I like this. That word heart means understanding, courage, and passion. Let no one lose their courage, their confidence because of this big Philistine. You've got all these warriors. Then you've got a 125-pound boy, shepherd boy, saying, King, don't let anyone lose heart. I'll take care of this guy. Let me fight him. 33. Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight this Philistine. Uh, you're just a boy. And he's been a fighter since he was in his youth. But David said to Saul, uh, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep faithful. He's been faithful in the word. He's been faithful in his worship. He's been tending and keeping his father's sheep. When a lion came and a bear came, I carried off the sheep from the flock. I went after him. I put him in a hair hold and I struck him in the head. Uh, when it turned on me, I seized it, put it in a hair hold, struck it, and killed it. 36. Uh, your servant has killed both a lion and a bear, this uncircumcised Philistine. Can you think, look at the confidence this guy's speaking in, David's speaking in. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of God. We need to get to a place in our life that sickness has no place in my life. I have to be mad because it's coming against the armies of God. We are an army of God. I have to know what my rank is and I have to walk in it. I have to be I have to get that confidence and that courage to know that nothing will lack does not live in my house. Lack does not live in my house. Uh, if I start having a little bit of strife in my house, I live in a peaceful habitation. What word are you living on? What word are you dwelling on? And I just I can just picture David being so confident. This uncircumcised feels him because he has defied the army of God. 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord will be with you. The king saw his confidence. I mean, think about it. You got the king. Now, right after this, the, you got the king and you got all these warriors. What would you think about a boy coming up saying, this guy wants to fight this guy that's nine feet nine and all of my warriors are over here? crap but you know what this guy's got confidence this guy knows who he is and he obviously knows that God's going before him and right after this Saul says put on my gear so he puts on the helmet and it'd probably be like uh 
probably be like me putting on one of those helmets in the NFL and it kind of spins on my head. You know, it's really big and the shoulder pads wouldn't even fit me. Um, it would, it kind of, the, the gear kind of swallowed David up and David said, man, I can't put this stuff on. Just here, get this off of me. So he takes this rock and a sling. I think that takes us to 37. Is that right? 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw. Is that right? Rescue me from the paw of the lion. Let's go to 42. He looked at David. Now he's out on the he's out on the path. He's out there on the battlefield. Um, and Goliath is kind of ticked off because he's all that and a bag of chips, probably a big old truck full of chips. He's all that. And he looks across, and he sees this little kid. He looked at David. He looked David over, up and down, and he saw he was a boy, ruddy, handsome, and he despised him. That was the different version, I think, but that's all right. Um, he was handsome, and, and Goliath despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David's gods. And I like this because the gods is a little g. He cursed David's gods. That means he doesn't even know who God is. He doesn't even know that there is a living God. So he cursed David's gods. 44. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and of the air to the beasts in the fields. David said to the Philistine, man, it's just, if this doesn't encourage you, if this doesn't give you confidence, David said to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you. In the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut your head off. Man, just think about that. Right across the field, he's probably pointing at him. I will cut your head off. Today, I will give, your, I will give the carcasses of the Philistines, not just one. Because sometimes we look at the sideshow distraction. We look at the Goliath in our life, but we never look at the big picture. I look at the, the bill, which is my Goliath, but I don't look at the lack that's in my life, right? So today, he carried out, he, he said, today, I will carry the carcasses of the Philistine army. Not just Goliath, but the entire army. That's where we need to be as Christians. It's not, not the sideshow distraction, but the entire thing in our life. They carry off the carcasses of the Philistine army and the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. Don't focus on the one thing. Focus on the big picture. All those who gather here will know that there, all those that gather here will know that there, that it was not by the sword or by the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is in the, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. The Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly to meet him in the line of battle. I'm thinking of the football game, the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. The Philistines moved closer, or the big Philistine moved closer. It's kind of like the Denver Broncos tight end, kind of moving slowly on the field. And you got the defensive backs moving quickly and attacking the opposite team. David ran quickly in battle and met him. Amen? He met, he met him. He didn't, he didn't like, oh man, here it's, it's time on. He reached down. Let's get the next verse. Reaching into his bag of pride, 
He took out a stone and a sling. The Phil- and he took out the stone, struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, and struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over the top of him and took, stood over the top of him, took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his sheath. After he killed him, he cut his head off with the sword. When the Philistines saw, when the Philistines, all of them, saw what had happened to their hero, they turned and ran. Amen. You got the courage and the confidence of a young boy that was able to change the whole thing around. And the last verse. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward. The word surge means to rise up, to stir up and establish. The men of Israel surged forward and with a shout, that shout is like our praise. Amen. And with a shout, they pursued the Philistines into the entrance of Gath. And this is what I wanted to talk about right here. Was that, what does the confidence, what does my confidence mean to others? What does my confidence mean to those around me? David, just bringing some bread. Bringing some bread in for the armies of Israel. So that they would have a little bit of encouragement. So they'd have a little bit of nutrition so that they could fight. Had no courage, no confidence in the camp. David shows up on the scene with all the confidence of God in him. Goes out on the field. Takes a sling and a stone that God had purposed him with. That had given him the tool. Not by a sword. Not by a, uh, a bow or an arrow or anything like that. And when he did what God had called him to do. The whole camp. From the king all the way to the armies of God. Was filled with confidence. That's who. God has called us to be. That's who God has called us to be in the lives of those around us. You know, we're all going to go through stuff. We're all going to go through stuff in life and face things. But you know what? It's, it's not about, it's not about my trial. I'm learning this right now. It's not about my trial that I'm going through because I'm going to make it through it no matter what. I know without a shadow of a doubt, I will make it through what I'm going through. Hands down. But it's who I'm leading. If they, they see me breaking rank, if they see me cutting and running, if they see me, you know, with my head down a little bit, and my shoulders aren't back, and they go, well, you know what, Keith took a hit. I don't know if we can do it. We can't be that person in life. That people are following us. They need to see the courage and the confidence of Christ in you. Amen? That's who they need to see. That's what they need to see in us. In this story, I asked my friend. Uh, he doesn't even go to church, but this guy is probably the smartest, one of the smartest people I know. Uh, I asked him, he goes, what is that? I, I said the whole sermon to him on the phone. He, works with, he used to work with me at the prison. And uh, he goes, what does that story mean to you in one word? And I go, fearless confidence? And he said, no, one word. So I'm thinking, courage? And he goes, no, inspiration. 
inspiration. David inspired confidence in the people that he was around. And that should be our life. We should inspire confidence in those around us. You know what? I might not, we might not be graceful in the things we say. I might not have the best walk in the world. I might not uh, wear the nicest clothes. But it doesn't matter. I walk with confidence. I know who I am. That's priceless. That's priceless in life. Because it's not my life. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. For eternity. I'm saved. I'm hanging with my Father. Amen? But what about the people that are walking with me? What about the people that are going in this direction? I can't fail them. Because He didn't fail me. He didn't fail me. Amen? They did it in the first two services. And I'm going to go ahead and, and, and do it too, but this is a year of us being all in. For us being all in. Pastor's been speaking on it. And I want to encourage you today. Are you all in this year? Are you all in? It's not about you, but it's about leading others. It's about the life of others, me getting involved in your life so that you can, so that, so that God can get involved in my life. If you're all in this year and you want to make that stand, stand with me today. If you're all in, stand with me today. Father, I thank you and praise you for who you are in my life, for the confidence that you've given me. Lord God, and everybody who stands here today, Lord God, we make a declaration that we are all in. I'm following you. We're following you. Lord God, I'm not afraid. It looks scary. But you know what? I'm not backing down. I'm not cutting tail and I'm not running. Because Father, you are my God. You're my deliverer. You're my refuge. You're my strength. You're my healer. You're my El Shaddai. Father, you're my banner. 